we're going to give you your first inside look at the automotive auction business. This is AutoLine. When you trade your car in at a dealership or when the lease runs out, that vehicle's got to go somewhere, and the chances are that car is going to end up at one of the auction houses in this country. It's a huge business. Auction houses sell about 10 million vehicles a year, but their customers aren't people like you and me. They sell those 10 million vehicles to car dealers, who actually make more profit selling used cars than they do selling new ones. Since these are closed auctions, the media has never been allowed to go into them, especially not with TV cameras. But thanks to our friends at Mannheim, which is the largest auction house in the world, we were invited inside to see what a modern, state-of-the-art auction house looks like and how it operates. I think you're going to find this a fascinating part of the automotive business that not many people know about. On top of that, I'm going to sit down with Tom Webb, Mannheim's chief economist, to get his outlook on the economy and the car market. He's got a very interesting outlook of what's going on in the automotive marketplace, again, from the vantage point of the used car side of the business. But before we get to that, we've got to take a look at one of the most interesting product announcements that came out this week from General Motors. We've seen for months now that GM's been getting a lot of negative press. Well, at least for a couple of news cycles this week, the company got some pretty positive stories surrounding a brand new concept. The evening news and internet were alive with stories on a collaborative effort between GM and Segway, the maker of the electric personal transporter. The product receiving all the attention is called Project Puma. The concept, introduced just the other day at the New York Auto Show, stands for Personal Urban Mobility and Accessibility. It looks like something out of Blade Runner if they ran around in eggshells with wheels. But as outrageous as this prototype looks, the ideas behind it are fairly pedestrian, altruistic, and attractive to a certain core group of adventurous drivers. If it really does what we think it can do, one-third to one-fourth the cost, total cost per mile, and um, to be able to do that with zero emissions and renewable sources of energy, I think it could tip and it could move pretty fast, given the urgency of the issues we're trying to solve, dependence on oil, global climate change. Equipped with technology like all-electronic acceleration, steering, and braking, two vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle communications, the companies believe this two-seater is more than just an electric transport for the 21st century. Both General Motors and Segway are calling it a potential transportation solution for the overcrowded cities of the world. At one-sixth the size of a typical car, fleets of Pumas may be able to ease the congestion and parking problems that exist today. We feel that this is a better way for people to move around. It's going to be cheaper, it's going to be faster, it's going to be safer, it's going to be cleaner, it's going to be an easier ride. Imagine driving to work or being driven to work by this vehicle, almost like being in a taxi but without the taxi driver, and it taking you to where you need to go, and then you get out, go to work, and the vehicle goes and parks itself. And then when you finish your meeting or finish for the day, you call the vehicle and it comes to pick you up. Almost like a ballet, ballet parking service, but without the valet. Using GM's OnStar expertise, these Project Puma vehicles will not only be able to drive themselves up to 35 miles an hour, but avoid collisions with other cars as well. Of course, all that is based on pre-production models. If you want to know how something like this is going to perform, you have to get it into a real-world environment 
And that's exactly what the companies are planning to do as soon as possible. We're looking for uh, some city or town that may uh, want to commit to this type of an approach for urban transportation. We have some in mind. In fact, some are outside the United States. Uh, there are countries and cities around the world that are really committed to electric Green, uh, green, clean transportation solutions. Uh, areas in Paris, areas at Singapore, certainly London. In the United States, there are some great cities that we have uh, looked at as well. So we're looking for cooperation and partnerships in some cities around the world to do this. There's no specific timetable to bring this concept of electric drive super vehicles to market yet, but experts believe it can't happen too soon since many of our cities are already in a transportation crisis. I don't believe that incremental changes in, in uh, technology and, and, and the sorts of products we use to get around cities are really going to do the job. We have to fundamentally rethink the way we get around in cities. If these vehicles are driving you, you can sit back and relax and maybe do a video conference and talk to people as if you're at work or at home. We could go put this in production uh, as soon as we decide, uh, General Motors and Segways decide to move this forward. Uh, the technology is all here now. I think if it's priced right, it's going to do well. If you have brakes on it, you'll do even better in uh, tight traffic like New York, and it's small enough to fit in a parking spot, so you got good potential. I think it's all based on how it's priced. Would you drive one? I would consider it, sure. Stay right where you are. We'll be back in a moment to bring you inside the world of automotive auctions, a part of the industry that most people have never seen before. From our studios in the Motor City, this is AutoLine. Here now is John McElroy. Sitting down with me right now is Tom Webb, the Chief Economist for Mannheim Consulting. Tom, great to have you here on the set of AutoLine Detroit. Thank you, my pleasure. Now, explain a little bit, because some people may know that Mannheim is the biggest auction house in the country selling used vehicles, but what's Mannheim Consulting? Mannheim Consulting is, is part of Mannheim, and, and we do analytical work primarily for the commercial consigners, but also for dealers also, help them um, have the best remarketing practices that they can have, reduce their days of sale, determine what uh, auction a particular vehicle might sell best at, those sort of things. And, and who are, what are commercial consigners? Commercial consigners are anyone who's not a dealer consigner. Uh, so about half the auction of business is made up of that, be manufacturers, banks, rental car companies, subprime lenders, uh, credit so, unions. So they're all bringing cars they're to Mannheim bringing, bringing and cars. you guys auction them to the dealers. And then we auction them to dealers. And then the other half would be dealers selling to other dealers. Mm -hmm. I hear a lot in uh, the business today that used car prices are coming up and there's a lot more traffic coming through the auction houses. Is that what's happening at Mannheim right now? Yes, prices were up uh, quite sharply in January and February, much more than just the seasonal uptick. Um, mixed mileage and seasonally adjusted, we have an index which measures every month. It's up 3.8% in January, 37 in February. I've seen the numbers through the first 10, 15 days of March and uh, we're showing another sizable game, not quite as much. Um, but yeah, a very sharp movement. But some of that's bounced back after a very dismal fourth quarter of 2008. But should we read anything into this? I mean, the first step for the new car market to recover is for the used car market to recover. Is this the first step? Yeah, it's very, it's very important. I mean, um, uh, 
people have negative equity normally when they come to the dealership and trading in a vehicle. This means they'll have less negative equity. And in good situations, they might have some positive equity. So in other words, they're, they're, they'll get better resale value for their used car, they're the one that they want to turn in to buy a new one. Right. And typically, if you look at past cycles, you'll normally see a turnaround on the used vehicle side of the business before you see it on the new vehicle side of the market. So yes, it's an important one, but as I say, it's a necessary but not sufficient condition because I think the macroeconomic conditions are still very hard for the new vehicle sales right now. So even though used car sales are looking good, you're saying don't get too optimistic, folks. No, right, right, right. But it is, it is positive. Why, why, what, what is it that you say temper your enthusiasm? Uh, well, I think a lot of people have to revisit what the underlying rate of demand for new vehicles may be. Uh, certainly, we've all we've known it's discretionary purchase. It seems to be more discretionary than it, it has. The macroeconomic conditions, you know, labor market is not is not good. Uh, the credit markets are getting a little better uh, in terms of retail and wholesale financing out there, um, but they're not normal. So, in other words, those, including myself, who have said, "Oh yeah, this market will go back to 16 million a year at some point," you're saying it may not go that way anytime soon. I don't think anytime soon. I think you know, initially when I looked at some of the restructuring plans that the Detroit Three put out, um, they looked rather pessimistic in terms of their forecast, um, even their downside or normal forecast. But it looks pretty reasonable now. So, where do you It'll think the, the the new car market is is going to settle in for the next five years? Uh, I would be, well, we're certainly going to average under 16 million. Whether we get back over 16 million is hard to say. Chrysler, I know in its forecast, its new forecast, yes, has said it doesn't even see the market getting to 14 million four years out from now. Would you agree with something like that? No, I think, I think we could have a nice bounce back. Um, the, the, the new vehicle buyer is very high demographics in terms of income. A lot of them have not really been hurt that much by this recession. So a lot of this is people postponing or people who could afford a new vehicle but just don't feel that the time is right. Uh, better economic conditions, they'll come back. Mm -hmm. And what about uh, the, the underlying demand as affected by the scrappage rate, how we're scrapping cars? And the fact that we're not selling news, new ones as much, it would seem that there's going to be some constraint in the used car market. Um, there's, there's some constraint, but there's a normal churn in the used vehicle market based on um, the vehicles in operation and their age structure. There's, there's certain points in the life cycle of a vehicle uh, when it will change hands, necessarily change hands. Um, so typically, uh, used vehicle sales in terms of unit volumes are very, very stable. Um, they were down a lot last year, but that was unusual. Uh, they'll be relatively flat this year in terms of retail activity. Mm -hmm. uh, these vehicles change hands. Part of it is a reflection of an active wholesale market, and prices move in order to, uh, to make transactions happen. What kind of vehicles are, are hot right now in, in the used car market that uh, Mannheim's moving at auction? Is, are there certain segments that seem to be hot, or what, what, what can you read into what's going on from a sales standpoint? Well, actually, the improvement we've seen so far this year has really been very, very broad-based. I mean, it's across all the segments. Now, we had a very unusual year last year where um, the pickups and SUVs just plummeted in values along with gasoline prices going through the roof. Uh, but when that turned around, it was the reversal. I mean, those vehicle prices came up and some small cars went down. Right now, all the segments are up. Uh, even late model uh, used vehicles, which are normally negatively impacted by new vehicle inventories on dealers' lots and Dealers have a lot of inventory, as you know. Um, despite that, uh, late model used vehicles are holding up their prices well, too, mm -hmm. primarily because of lack of supply. 
Explain that a little bit then, the lack of supply. What's causing that? Uh, the fact that the new vehicle market is, 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 is so far down. Um, you know, roughly speaking, in the first quarter of this year, retail sales of new vehicles will be off about a million units, maybe a little bit more. The normal franchise dealers has a 60% trade-in rate. That means 60,000 fewer trade-ins that he could potentially retail out of his lot. And the used vehicle sales, as I said, are basically flat. Um, so that's why they're bidding up prices, because, mm -hmm. because of a lack of supply. Uh, do you think that we'll see vehicles, well, we, I, I, what I should say is we're already seeing people hold on to the cars that they've got longer. I think the average age of a car now is over nine years old, the, the oldest it's ever been. Based on what you're talking about here, do you see it even going longer than that or older than that? Uh, I, it certainly can. As you know, the engineering life of that vehicle goes way, way longer if you just basically change your oil every once in a while and the idiot light will tell you when to do that. Um, it, it will last for a long, long time. Um, it does open opportunities for an export market for some of the older units that still have a, 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 a useful life, but not much um, real value in terms of what Americans want to drive. Mm -hmm. What are you keeping an eye on these days as to when you advise your clients what to do? What are some of the key metrics that you're keeping an eye on and, and which directions are they heading in? Well, naturally, from our focus where we have this big database of used vehicle transactions, I'm looking at the pricing and, and the activity that's going on at auction, uh, look at the different types of buyers, you know, why dealers aren't bringing or are bringing um, numbers of vehicles to auctions and those sort of things. Uh, in terms of the uh, macro economy, in terms of what might influence those, those prices, I would look at, you know, labor market and credit conditions, especially the availability of retail financing is very important. Do you see certain segments of the country doing better than others? And if so, which ones? Yeah, we would normally follow the uh, economic patterns of, you know, how the states are doing. So, you know, that, that shows up. I mean, there are very few states that um, did well. Uh, certainly the mid part of the country did better overall uh, in terms of changes. Uh, any place that had a tremendous, uh, you know, fall off in home values negatively impacted new vehicle sales, which negatively impacted used vehicle sales in our dealer consignments. We had Jim Farley from Ford on the show uh, a little while back, and he was saying, the difference between uh, a 10 million market and a 12 million market, maybe even 13 for new cars, is all in the customer's head. And he said, it's not a lack of money, it's not a lack of credit, they just don't want to buy right now. D do you see that going on in the market as well from your vantage point? Yeah, I put a lot of credence in that. And again, because a typical new vehicle buyer is very high income, uh, so to a certain extent, they can be in the market right now today. Uh, they are not as dependent on retail financing, which is always there for people with high FICO scores. Um, so they have the capability of, to buy. And as a matter of fact, the dealers are telling me a lot of the used vehicle sales that we've had in recent months, those could have been new vehicle buyers. I mean, they put a lot of money up front. They had a short-term uh, loan, three years versus six. So their monthly payment was bigger than it would be on a new vehicle purchase. I hear uh, certified used vehicles is one of the hottest segments in the market right now. That would seem to cor uh, corroborate exactly what you're saying. Right, right. And it, it's definitely a, a, a great value proposition in terms of the customer's eyes, the dealer's eye, and, and, the, and, the, and the manufacturer in terms of selling those units. Uh, they've done a great job in terms of marketing those programs, and it, and it works. Are we seeing a permanent shift in the American market? Have, have we seen a chunk of buyers just say, you know, I don't really need a new car. I'll just move to the used car market. Do you think this is a permanent shift? Uh, that's hard to say. I think uh, it, it might have gone down a little bit, but probably, probably not that much. There's, there's still, again, a certain segment of the population who likes the new car smell. 
<laughs> and have the money to buy it, I guess. Absolutely, but absolutely. Are, are we seeing a shift in that, that maybe more middle class or low, lower middle class are, are just out of the new car market? Yeah, and I think we've seen that for some time, that we're, getting, we're increasingly selling the same number of new vehicles uh, to a smaller and smaller segment of the uh, population. Um, so the used vehicle market uh, is, is much more important, as we would say to dealers. I mean, if you want to have a relationship with mainstream America, that relationship is going to be developed on your used car lot, not your new car lot. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for used car buyers? Now, if it's uh, uh, more wealthy people buying cars, I would think that the, the mix of used vehicles is going to be a richer mix, i.e. a more costly mix. Yeah, a richer mix, but they come back at a nice value proposition to that used vehicle buyer uh, because the new vehicle buyer is the one who takes the big hit on terms of residuals and depreciation. So. Uh, Anybody in the used car market now is, is going to see a, a better selection of vehicles going forward. Is that how you see it? No, absolutely. I mean, you know, as in the, the luxury nameplates have really not pulled back from leasing. Uh, they have an increasing number of leases coming off term. Um, so they're good value proposition. So overall, crystal ball, looking out, you're an economist. Where do you see the American economy going in, uh, and how might that affect car sales? I think we still have a pretty hard road to hoe for some time and uh, hopefully not any more negative um, surprises out there. Um, the, the labor market, again, relatively, relatively depressing, uh, if not very depressing. Some improvement in terms of what's going on in credit activity. Uh, I would like to see some stability going on there. Uh, as, as we used to say, there, the old saying about when a recovery is going to occur is when things start to get less bad. And I think we've seen that in the credit markets. There actually have been some signs of improvement uh, recently. Might be false. We've seen them before, but I, I hope so. Well, Tom Webb, Chief Economist for Mannheim Consulting, thanks so much for coming in and sharing your insights with us here on AutoLine Detroit. Thank you, my pleasure. And for those of you who don't know a whole lot about the auction process, come take a little visit with us as we go through what they call Mannheim Detroit. From Washington, D.C. to the California coast, the recession hasn't missed many. But especially hard hit has been the auto industry. Several new car assembly lines have been silenced by the credit crunch, leaving the nirvana of 16 million sales now nothing more than a distant memory. But as headlines report the crisis in the new car market, to be accurate, it hasn't been total doom and gloom in all of automotive retail. For as much as those new sales might be stuck in the mud, there's still a lot of activity at many dealerships across the country. It just happens to be over on the other side of the lot. The used car prices right now are very, very high. It's a very strong market. The used cars have been phenomenal. That's right. Pre-owned or used cars are flying off dealer lots right now. Hey, in tough economic times, people perceive used cars as a better value. One, two, three-year-old models are bringing in top dollar right now. It's that age-old story of supply and demand. But you might be wondering, if new cars aren't selling all that well and dealers aren't getting that many trade-ins, how do they keep their used car lots filled? Well, it's all got to do with taking regular visits to a place that seems to speak its own language. This is Mannheim, Detroit, one of two local facilities run by this global company with operations on five different continents. In North America alone, the company has 85 separate auction locations where nearly every weekend throughout the year, 
a licensed buyer can access a large volume of used cars and trucks, both in person or online. A savvy dealer, the auction process is part of his overall business model, to come and buy cars, to come and sell cars. And the man who saw 87,000 vehicles run through this facility last year is Jim Elliott. As general manager for more than a decade, he not only has dealers sell cars at his 12-lane facility, but also fleets of all types, including rental companies, as well as at least two of the big three. And what we have going on here today is our open sale, what we call our open sale, so you, we will be selling to used car dealers or franchise new car dealers. And today, we will have approximately 1,600 dealers here, 1,000 in attendance, 600 online, and we will probably sell cars to dealers from over 30 states. So today, what we have going on is what we call a little bit organized chaos. And that's the perfect description for what goes on at a Mannheim facility, especially on those open auction days. You have a long line of constantly moving cars with dealers checking them out all the way into the ring. There, a crowd gathers to bid while the auctioneer announces. And his ringmen bark and point at the buyers. And then, in less than one minute, a car or truck has a new owner. He's out here, Tommy. Yeah, they get 800 on the hall there, bar down here, they get 800 on the barn here, sold at 10, 7. Some of the dealers who buy from Mannheim do it through the online auction, but by far the vast majority of sales at any of its facilities come from area dealers, sometimes driving in from neighboring states, who come to both buy and sell vehicles. It's easy. It's, you know, coming in, I don't have any problems, issues, anything like that. It's a smooth process from buying, selling, to getting my checks, um, you know, reconditioning, anything like that. It's, it's a very pleasant experience. And the nice thing about it is, what I enjoyed is, by getting the cars ready for sale, if I've got a car that I don't want to invest the money in, I can save some money here at the auction, as far as the mechanics, recon, and the diverse of people. They've got people from all over the United States that come here to purchase cars. And I don't have to ship the car outside of my area and spend a lot of money in transportation. I can do it all right here in my backyard. Besides taking care of the cars, Mannheim also equips its facility with amenities, like a diner and even a barber shop. Because between buying and selling, or both, these dealers can invest a lot of their day at the auction. On a normal Tuesday, I'm here about 8.30. I walk the inventory that people are uh, selling their cars. I look at them, uh, do a little research. I car fax them. You know, I do as much knowledge as I can, market reports and so have you. And also I look at the cars that I've got and make sure they're all lined up and everything looks good and the recon that I've done to them. And uh, it starts there and it ends about 3.30. So it's, it's a full day even though I'm off the job site, I'm, I'm here at this job site. Usually I start, you know, the day before going through, you know, online and through the inventory I can pull VIN numbers, pull the equipment, everything like that. So when I come here, I, you know, I know pretty much what I'm looking for. I can physically go out, you know, get here in the morning earlier and go out, look at the cars you know, make sure everything's all there. Or if there is a little damage on something, I know what I have to do. Um, you know, whether it's tires or a little paint work or whatever it's gonna need. And Mannheim, like many companies, is offering a lot of that assistance to the dealer online. When you can't make it to the auction to rep your cars, then our remote seller tool is your solution. 
The internet does help me, the online helps me. I don't think it's ever going to take away from my hands-on experience. I think it'll be quite a few years before there's not a need for the, as you can see behind, for the guy that wants to feel and touch and kick the tires and still come and be involved in the, in the live uh, auction process. Join me again here next week when my guest will be Neil DeCoker, the president of the Original Equipment Suppliers Association, which represents suppliers to the auto industry in North America. As you well know, suppliers are in a world of trouble, and you'll want to hear the latest update from Neil DeCoker as to what's going on in that critical part of the auto industry. And then don't forget that this Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, I'll be on AutoLine After Hours with Mr. Auto Extremist himself, Peter DeLorenzo, and with PR veteran Jason Vines talking about a whole host of issues facing the auto industry. If you want the unvarnished truth and hardcore opinions of what's going on in the industry, that will be the show. Anyway, that wraps up this edition of AutoLine Detroit. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week.